What you're about to hear is a portion of this week's Pod Dylan, the full version of which is now available only to FM Plus subscribers. Please enjoy this sample. For just a few dollars a month, FM Plus subscribers get all of our full episodes, bonus episodes, plus full archives from every show in the FM Podcast Network. Subscribing makes all of these great shows possible. You can sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. I'm in awe of McCartney. He can do it all, and he's never let up. He's got the gift for melody. He's got the rhythm. He can play any instrument. He can scream and shout as good as anybody, and he can sing a ballad as good as anybody. And his melodies are effortless. That's what you have to be in awe of. He's just so damn effortless. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, two cover songs at a time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. Joining me this week to talk about two different Beatles covers by Bob Dylan is my pal, David Ace Gutierrez. Hi, David. Welcome back. Welcome. It's, well, it's, I haven't been on the new network, so thank you. The, uh, yes, this is your debut on the FM podcast network. You, the last time you were on Pod Dylan was episode 57. Yeah, you were just That's a young start. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for coming back. I don't know why it took so long to, to put this together, but thank you for coming back. I believe honorary executive producer of, of Pod Dylan, David. You, yes, you have helped. I should let everybody know David has helped me book uh, many a terrific guest on Pod Dylan over the years. The Joan Osborne in the early days, that was that was your doing, uh, which I very much appreciated. So, uh, yeah, you've been uh, godfathering the show for the for the longest time. And so well, I appreciate all a, the efforts. It's a, it's a love. It's a labor of love. I love this, this show. And <laughs> well, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So so we're going to be talking about two different Beatles covers that Bob has performed over the years. First, we're going to be talking about Things We Said Today from the Art of McCartney tribute album from 2014. And then we're going to move on to his live cover of George Harrison's Something from 2002. Now, David, thank you again. Thank you so much for doing this because specifically the cover of Things We Said Today is something I have wanted to talk about on the show for a long while. And since I, since, yeah, since 2014, but I've, uh, yeah, I've always, I've been wanting to do it. And of course, when I do these shows where we're talking about a cover, I try to pair it up with a second song just to kind of fill out the episode a little, make it feel a little more like a full show. And despite their deeply intertwined history together, Bob has not covered the Beatles that many times so it was it was actually a little hard coming up with a a second song i mean it's kind of amazing that they really you know he hasn't really taken the moment over 60 years of touring to ever sing that many beatles songs considering how many opportunities he's had reciprocally it's funny because harrison who covered dylan songs like crazy just on yeah. a whim who had a much well also you know passed away but also had a very, had a much shorter span in terms of just performing live on his own or with a group has been, you know, like I said, has been generous with, with, with the Dylan covers. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, it's, it's fun. I, I've always attributed that to the fact that they're contemporaries of each other. And well, Dylan was, I guess, kind of a forebearer of a lot of, a lot of things and was heavily influential, influential on Lennon and Harrison, John Lennon and George Harrison 
particularly. So it it makes sense that he, he wouldn't work backwards if that makes do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I I I wouldn't expect him to like really put on Cloud Nine by George Harrison, you know what I mean? And back in, in nineteen eighty one or or uh play mind games by John Lennon or something because he was doing his own thing and you don't really kind of check in on the people that you're um ahead of or kind of parallel with necessarily. You know what I mean? Once you've once you've hit a certain point. Mm-hmm. So it never surprised me that he like I wouldn't expect um what was it? What was the triple album he did of Sinatra covers? Triplicate. Triplicate. Duh. Triplicate. <laughs> um I wouldn't I would never expect that from somebody who came post nineteen sixty five from somebody like like Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, Bob, certainly over the decade, not decades, but the last 20 years, he's gotten more comfortable with covering people from his own era. He does Stones covers right. and Grateful Dead covers and Van Morrison covers. And uh, so, but but yeah, m- most of his, at least on record, when he's doing these tribute records, they are tribute records to Johnny Cash or Hank Williams or Jimmy right. Rogers. It's Pete Bright. It's people that have come before him, his influences, not people of his own, right, of his own generation. Uh, it is a funny thought to, to think of like, you know, does, does McCartney send Bob like his newest record every time one comes out, you know, <laughs> to listen to I, it? I, would, does- I don't know McCartney personally, but I, they seem so different, you know, as, People, I, I don't think. Well, I don't think McCartney has friends. To be honest, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think they're close like that. You know, they, they certainly didn't have the relationship Harrison and and, and Dylan did. Right, right. <laughs> You're like picturing 1982 Bob unwrapping, you know, tug of war from the, yeah, yeah, from uh, the, you know, in the mail. It's like, oh, what's this? Yeah, this oh, is Jacob. i like some stuff on tug of war uh but okay so something else too that that is of course to be expected but you know over the years when i've been doing the show and i ask people how they became a fan of bob a good number of those answers are people who say it was through the beatles you know i mean the beatles the beatles is probably the single greatest uh gateway drug uh, of uh, in all of music, yeah. you know, that it just, it just filters into everything. And so of course, so many people are like, Oh, well, I like the Beatles. And then I heard they mentioned Bob Dylan and then they played a song, you know, like that kind of thing. And it just bleeds into that makes, it makes total sense. But I want to ask you about your Beatles fandom, because where are oh. you on that? Because look, everyone loves the Beatles. That's why they're the Beatles. That's why they will never be duplicated. You know, right. uh, there's all this thing about, Oh, this artist has more hit singles than the Beatles had. Well, that, yeah, but that's a that's a meaningless metric, because yes, maybe they had one more hit single, but the, the bulk of the the populace know those songs. Right. No, everyone knows the Beatles at this point. They are just culturally dominant in a way that nobody, I would say, even even Elvis cannot match. The Beatles are that level. Sure, so sixty that, years on, we're still discussing them. Right. So that said. Like, I would say I'm a Beatles fan because everyone is to some level, but I am yeah. not a mega Beatles fan. Like, I know some of their B cuts, but not a right. lot. And so I'm interested. How far are you in the Beatles fan? I'm somewhere between you and a mega fan. I mean, okay. they, they're in my top. They're always in my top groups, but they never get mentioned in my top groups because I feel kind of like, well, that's just a given. Right. You know right. What I mean, 
like, oh, Star Wars is your favorite movie? Of course, you were born after 1970. 1970. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of of those things. Um, uh, I've loved them as long as I can remember um, walking. You know, my my mom was a tremendous Beatles fan. I remember the heartbreak when my dad broke the news that, um, you know, when you're a kid, you assume everything is as it as you know it. Mm-hmm. So I I thought the Beatles were still around in 1980, just as, oh. you know, looking like they did in the 60s. And then my dad said, oh, no, there's this group called Wings that formed and John Lennon is dead. And it's it just bunch mm. of, I remember receiving those two horrible bits of news. <laughs> like, Jeez, Dad. Was, wow. I was really young. Way to sugarcoat it. The story of Pete Best, I was told really early. So my entire life. And then um, you had uh, Sam, who went by Will Stegman on the show. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> I was like, wait, where are you going with this? That was episode she, nine. She's way a back. tremendous. She's a tremendous Beatles fan. Right. So when mm. I met when I met her years ago, she kind of got me back on the on the horse in a big way. So I owe a tremendous debt of of, of my Beatles to, to her. OK. Um, and since then. So, yeah. So probably since. My entire life, but never really dug in hard until my 20s. And then since then, hooked. Okay. All right. Now, so where are you on this song, The Things We Said Today? Because this is, uh, to give people, it's a great song. To give people a little bit of history of it, it was from 1964. It was in A Hard Day's Night. It was released as a B-side to A Hard Day's Night. And so it was, you know, it's a song, I would put it as, it's one of those songs that probably not the average Beatles fan no uh, excuse me the average music listener of a certain vintage knows because it I don't think it appears on like any of their greatest hits records but it's also I wouldn't say it's obscure either it, right. it, to me it's in that middle ground of like oh yeah I've heard that that song oh yeah that's a Beatles song I know that song so how what were your feelings about this song long before Bob ever got to it oh I love it I'm a I'm a tremendous fan of Hard Day's Night just the mm-hmm. album and the the movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Movie's terrific. Um, I mean, duh, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, but just as an album, it is a solid, like just track after track after track. And it's and it's in their early period or mid kind of mid early period, I guess you could say. Is it sixty four? And they're they're really just hitting their stride. I think it's funny that he just wrote this on vacation. He just kind of mm-hmm. took his guitar with him to the Virgin Islands when he was with Jane Asher. And some people think it's about them fighting. But McCartney says it's like about just him imagining what it's like to have this relationship and, you know, the things we said today. Um, it's it's one of those cuts that is played on kind of like if, if if you have a breakfast with the Beatles show in your town, um, it's, you know, like one of the deeper cuts, but not quite, you know, um, you know, my name, look up my number level, <laughs> level mm-hmm. of, of, of deep uh it's certainly i think it's great um it's one of it's again one of paul mccartney's character songs he writes a lot of his songs as as sort of a storyteller as opposed to what lennon would do where he would it would be whatever his point of view or feeling was at the time mm-hmm. um but no it's a great song i think it's funny though do you know how dylan came to do this song no i don't it was funny the the producer of this album uh ralph saul Saul, I think is his name, sent a list of of potential songs to a bunch of artists to do. It took de- it took like a decade to put this album together, right? Mm. So he sends his list to Dylan, and Dylan says, "No, I'm doing the things. 
this is the song that I'm choosing. <laughs> so to my understanding, he didn't even, he just went off the list and chose this song. And I'm <laughs> personally, I was surprised that he chose a McCartney song, you know, mm-hmm. of, of all the songs that he could have done. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm surprised that he chose like a Beatles era song when I would have expected him to do something a little more um, contemporary, you know, um, of the era or something that came a little later because they, this is around the time that they were kind of feeling each other out and getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some familiarity there, but it just, it's, it's a surprise for me that he would just choose this one. Yeah. I mean, not only, not only a Beatles song, but an early Beatles song. I mean, right. you know, early ish, obviously when the band was only around for about nine years, but so it's the first half, but this is an era. I mean, they said this is from 1964 that's the era when the Beatles were you know, really coming up. And from what we've read in other books and stuff, Bob's friends were kind of sneering at the Beatles a little saying, uh, oh, they, these guys are just sort of empty pop. And it was right. Dylan that was like, no, 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 man, these guys are real. I, you know, my imitation of Bob, they're really onto something <laughs> here as early as 63, 64. He's hearing this. So I think it's interesting that he chooses a song, as you said, not only a, a Beatles song, not a later McCartney song, but one from, again, from their earlier era, not from, you know, uh, Rubber Soul or for, or from, sorry, you know, Sergeant Pepper or some, well, he, he kind of dismissed Sergeant Pepper in some, in some corners, but you know what I mean? Like it's, this is an <laughs> earlier one, by the way, I love the write up, uh, that it mentioned on Wikipedia that mentions things we said today because it says McCartney wrote the song while holidaying in the Virgin Islands with his girlfriend Jane Asher. They traveled to St. Thomas with Ringo Starr and his girlfriend. Hiring a private yacht with a crew, the couple spent their time fishing, swimming, and listening to Calypso music. It's just like, is that not the greatest possible month you could have of all time? And he's like like, 23. You know what I mean? Like He's he's just a kid. And it's all, and it's. And it's never downhill from there. No, no, that's right. It's all uphills, basically, at that point. Yeah. I just, I read that and I'm like, imagine having that vacation while also saying, well, while I'm there, I'm going to write a couple of songs that will probably end up profiting me several million dollars over the course you of have the to next remember several that, decades. I, these guys, when I say these guys, I mean like McCartney and Lennon never doubted their own abilities. Like McCartney, nope. when, when, the, when they were being interviewed early on and they were kind of asked about the, the longevity of the Beatles, they're like, well, we might not do this, but we'll just be songwriting for the rest of our day. Like they were never afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, McCartney just went, was, um, I think the story goes, if I have this right, wrote, I want to be your man while the Rolling Stones were waiting for a song to be written for them. He just like went to a quarter somewhere, wrote that and then handed it off to them. You know what I mean? So there's <laughs> that, that sort of like, weird like oh here you go i can just i'm just going to be able to do this for the rest of my life you know (laughs) (laughs) just unreal just completely unreal so the lack of hubris you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just amazing you're you're a young 20 something with an actress you know what i mean (laughs) you're just (laughs) hanging out with an actress with your bandmate and i'm guessing maureen starkey i don't know maybe and uh, and and you just yeah you're doing nothing and it's it's amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah. It, I, I, we, I we've talked about it in other episodes of of the show where like n- most people, normal people, regular people like us, don't have that kind of uh, run running kind of st- undercurrent, I guess, of knowing 
that we could we could potentially just create something on the fly that will right. then transform our personal <laughs> lives or maybe the world. You know, I mean, it's just right. kind of amazing to think that some of the circumstances that these guys are creating, and you know, of course, Bob included, are creating this work. And it's like, oh, yeah, I was stuck in an elevator and I got an idea for a song and I went and jotted it down. And then it became a number one hit for many artists. And it's made me a $50 million. Like, what the heck? You know, who lives that life now? So the song itself, uh, I'm not going to quote the whole song because I said this is a Bob Dylan show, not a Paul McCartney show. But I do want to quote a little little bit of the lyrics here. It opens with you say you will love me if I have to go. You'll be thinking of me. Somehow I will know someday when I'm lonely, wishing you weren't so far away, then I will remember the things we said today. Now, the Beatles version, the McCartney, ver- again, this is a solo McCartney song. It's credited to Lennon McCartney, as was their agreement. Right, right. But it is a solo, but nobody argues it as a solo McCartney song. It's it's wistful and it's melancholy, but it's also bright and hopeful because that's McCartney. Bob, of course, <laughs> when he gets to it. Um, I've noticed that when he records himself, and I have to assume that he produced this himself in like his home studio, he seems to dial up or dial down the 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 phlegmy throaty voice as how it suits him. Some records okay. his vocals are a lot smoother, and I think that's he's choosing to sing it that way. And then say the songs on Together Through Life, I find are much more craggy. And again, if it's obviously on purpose, because he can he can sort of dial it up and dial it down. This is very craggy, like this reading of this song. And it gives it just a different a different feeling than, than the McCartney one, because it's just, just the way Bob is singing. Oh, very well. And it's at a different point in somebody's life, too. So if you have somebody who's yeah. 20, and you know, like the arguments that you have at 23 or whatever, they're just... It's it's possible this couple's not going to make it, and they're going to be fine five years down the line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you're when you're Dylan, and let's say this was recorded in 2010, you're what 60 years oldish around that point. Uh, 70, 70, 70. 2010. He would have been 70, yeah. And it takes on a whole new meaning. Yes. Yeah, now it's, it's right. Waiting. It's, yeah. You might be the last person I'm arguing with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This might be it. These might be the final things we say. So it's it's just it, and and I wish I knew when he recorded this so I could listen to what he was doing at the time of the recording. Mm-hmm. If he had a um an album that he was working on at the same time, because then I because then I could get a better sense of where he kind of was vocally. But you're absolutely right in how he. I mean, if you look at something like let's say he's like Moonlight, for example. Uh, um, let's see, that was what, like two? Th- that was what, like two thousand and one? Yeah, that's right. That's uh, Love and Thatch. So that's two thousand one. Right. So you have that sort of soft, crag, craggy voice that you would think would he would use on something like this, but instead he opts not to. You know. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wish I kind of knew when this was actually recorded, so I could look at, just compare and contrast where he was. Yeah, I would love to know that. Uh, I mean, just for the uh, the other reason of Bob very rarely, I think, goes in, cuts a song in one take and walks out. You know, he's not like Krusty the Clowning it. You know what I mean? Like he's doing <laughs> he's doing he's doing a lot of 
other things. And so that makes me wonder, well, geez, what else did he do? Did he, is there multiple takes of this? Did he warm up the band with some other Beatles songs or some other songs just to kind of get everybody up to speed? And then he cuts this. I don't know. I, I don't have any information about this recording session. If the album came out in 2014, it took a maybe, long time for that thing to assemble though. Like, right. Well, that's great. Right, there you go. So it may be eight, 2008, 2009. So, and, and, and if that's the case, well, that was right when he was doing Christmas in the Heart and Together Through Life, which was in, you know, very productive. So he might have just tagged it along uh, with other stuff that he had been doing. Uh, I, again, I don't know. I haven't I've never seen I'm not seeing that information, but I would love to know. I would love to know what other, you know, but it's I remembered I, I I got the I think I got the CD when it came out. Maybe I don't know. I don't even remember anymore, but I remember I bought it for him because I heard he was on it. Right. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then I heard it, I was like. This is just terrific. I mean, it's I love the slight echo he puts on it. And, you know, the lyric again, the lyrics when he talks about me, I'm just the lucky kind. Love to hear you say that love is luck, though we may though we may be blind. Love is here to stay, and that's enough. Like they are I don't want to say they're Dylan-esque verses, because that's I'm not trying to suggest that McCartney is trying to write in that style, but it's got a vagueness that I think Bob would that would appeal to Bob. I guess let me put it that way. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, you know, I can't imagine in my lifetime hearing Bob Dylan saying jet, you know, that's not anything I can picture him doing. Well, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this part of the episode. We hope you'll consider becoming an FM plus subscriber to hear the full version of this and all of our shows sign up in Apple podcasts or at fmpods.com.